Hello, I'm Grace Chung. And I'm Lena So Ng. Welcome to the Curious Podcast featuring outstanding women in tech and science in Asia. We unpack their journeys and take a look at what lies ahead for their industry. Today, we step into the shoes of an accomplished heart specialist, scientist, and entrepreneur. Oh, Lena, you know, I'm breathless when I read the credentials of Carolyn Lam, Dr. Carolyn Lam. She's a globally recognized cardiologist with subspecialties heart failure. She's a full professor at Duke NUS. She's a scientist who sits on multiple global clinical trials. And to top it all off, she's a co founder of Us2AI, a startup dedicated to fighting heart disease by applying AI to ultrasound of the heart. Delighted to have you here, Dr. Lam. Welcome. Oh my goodness, Lena and Grace, it is my pleasure and I'm very, very deeply humbled. Honestly, um, really a Singaporean woman trying her best <laughs> to do um, the, the things that I love. Yeah, I think so, that's the best way to put it. <laughs> um, first off, do you think women are more susceptible to heart disease or as vulnerable as men? Absolutely. There is not even what I think. It's the facts. So one in three of us die of heart disease or stroke. I think the problem is we always think that we're more immune than the men. And okay. it is not true. We're not at greater risk. One in three men also die of heart disease and stroke. But we underestimate our risk severely. The other thing that's a little bit different from men, we seem to have relative protection during our premenopausal years. But unfortunately, once we hit menopause, the incidence of heart disease and stroke rises in us women and catches up. And because we live longer than the men, it can actually overtake oh. the men. So it is a very serious condition for us women as well. And thank you so much for letting me start with that because that's something I'm just so passionate about. If we are not aware of our risk, we will not manage it. And managing and prevention is just so much a part of heart disease. And um, so gym subscriptions and mandatory running, are they necessary to keep the heart in good condition? No, no, no. And in fact, I think those are the things that scare people, you know. You, you don't have to immediately give up everything that you love. You don't have to immediately fit into spandex and spend lots of money on a fancy gym membership. Honestly, it's it's actually a lot of common sense. And if we just listen to our bodies, you, you will know that innately. Be active. Just be active. That means, I, I know it's cliche, but instead of taking the elevator or the escalator, take the stairs. Instead of, well, sitting and doing meetings, have walking meetings, you know, just be active. Um, instead of driving to a place, let's walk. Let's carry our things. Um, so so it's, it's, if we can just be active every day, if we can make sure that every day we do at least 30 minutes of something that makes us sweat a little, that's called exercise. And in terms of diet, it's really simple, actually, at the end of the day. It's more plant-based and less meat, animal-based, and refined foods. That, that's it, just more and less, not cannot. And, and the other thing is we, we tend to make excuses. We tend to say, okay, I will have as much meat 
and fat as I want, and then I will do an antidote by the next day having a lot of oatmeal. It's not like that. You don't, you don't use an antidote. You actually have to give up <laughs> a little bit of the, the meat and, and, and the bad fats and all that to make space for more of the plant-based foods and the natural foods. So what prompted you to set up the Women's Heart Health Clinic at the National Heart Centre? Ah, uh, So first of all, um, I'm very proud to have started it. It's true that it's the first women-centered clinic for heart health uh, in Singapore, in the region. It's a new concept. However, I didn't learn it from elsewhere. Okay, so this I, I want to say, there are plenty of women's centers and women heart health clinics in the United States where I trained. And so it, it was getting that idea there, realizing the importance of even just having a women's heart clinic almost gives women the entitlement to say, I got heart disease. Because there's a women's heart clinic, of course it's for women with heart disease. So, so they actually actually come forth with their symptoms, they get diagnosed, and then there are actually important differences in the approach to heart disease from a medical standpoint between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. Symptoms are slightly different, causative factors are slightly different, and the um, little details of the kind of heart disease are also different. In heart failure, for example, women tend to get the kind of heart failure where the heart doesn't relax enough. Men get the kind of heart failure where the heart doesn't work hard enough. <laughs> Quite analogous to life, maybe. Okay, we all leave that out. But, but it, it really, really um, exists. Um, also, when we get uh, blockages of the heart artery, for example, uh, women tend to lay down the fat neatly along the vessel walls, all over downtown, nice, nice, tuck it nicely away. The men dump, dump it in one spot. It's, it's very interesting. So, so different patterns of blockages of the heart arteries that we see. So women get the small artery diseases. Men get these big artery, big blockages. Not all the time, but there are these tendencies. So there's a medical need. But the real crux came when I came back to Singapore and was functioning back here again. And then remember our culture where, I don't know, women tend to be very self-sacrificial. I grew up in a family where my mom, who's a doctor herself, but I would hear things like, oh, daddy cannot take too much cholesterol. No, men are at risk of heart disease. It's okay. Daddy, you eat the egg white. I will eat the egg yolk for you. <laughs> that, that's what, you know. But, but it's like that. We always give what we think is a good thing to other people and then ourselves never mind it's okay because we are somehow immune or everything so i saw that kind of behavior and then my own mom uh, had a had a very very dangerous heart event in her clinic in fact uh she she completely passed out um didn't even know that heart disease mm -hmm. and that just gave me the shock of my life i mean just thank god she was safe from that we were able to treat it earlier but it just really showed me, you know, there, there my dad is, his heart is totally fine. My mom's been protecting his heart for all her life. My mom is the one who had a heart condition in her own clinic and did not suspect it. And, and well, that just drove me to say, okay, listen, I'm a cardiologist for a reason. We, we really have to, you know, set up this clinic and, and make sure that women hear about it and make sure that we do the things that women need to do for screening. Speaking of screening, is that, um, can you explain a bit how you got into entrepreneurship? Accidentally, truly. You know, I'm a geek. That's how I grew up, truly, honestly. Uh, love maths, love science, 
you know, doctor, then want to do research. That's all I've ever known. I think I, I really have to either thank or blame my husband for this. <laughs> because what happened is he also had a little heart event, basically. He's one of those individuals, he retired and then decided to go and check everything. Everything, I mean it, from his 23andMe to scan here, scan there, everything. So he then went to uh, you know, a general practice setting to try to get a full body workup. And all he could get for the heart was an electrocardiogram. Very different. It's the ECG that we can get anywhere. And basically, his ECG showed a very abnormal result and suggested that he needed uh, to see a cardiologist. And the first thing a cardiologist would do is to look at the heart. And the commonest tool um, that we would use is ultrasound or echo, echocardiography. Very, very safe, huh? ultrasound. Ultrasound is something that we use to even scan babies when yeah. they're in mommy's tummy. That's how safe it is. But then why must he go all the way to a cardiologist? You know, why can't he get a safe heart scan at the GP? He started asking, had to wait. Worse still, with the same heart scan, he got two different results. One person said, oh, it looks normal. The other person said, no, no, not normal. You, need, you may need a defibrillator. He's like, what in the world are you all doing? You know, shouldn't cardiology and, and medical science be a little bit more accurate. So he just got very interested, uh, followed us to see what we're doing in the hospitals. And the truth is, I've trained many, many, many years to be able to do this, to call myself an echo specialist. Hmm. But what we do is a technician will get the ultrasound and we will sit in a room and read the ultrasound. And what we mean by read is we will manually trace what we see, manually measure, and then compare against uh, published guidelines to say normal or not. Now, once I say it's also manual, you can understand now why two different readers can give two different results, because it's very manual. It, it you know, depends on the tilt and, and uh, how you estimate you know, all the thicknesses and so on. And so once James, my husband, saw that, he immediately said, you need to be replaced by a machine. No, I'm kidding. He said, basically, did you know that there's been numerous advances in AI and in medical imaging? These things can be automated. You shouldn't be spending all your time doing these things, which are so manual, which first are, is wasting your time because you're not spending it with the patient. And automation can even do it better than you. And so, you know, you can imagine it first led to a lot of um, strife at home where we <laughs> butt heads about, wow, you think you can replace me? No way. And he goes, well, try it out, you know. Okay. And so in the end, it was... Um, that's how the company got born. I, I have to admit, I, I got converted. I have seen the product for myself that it can truly automate um, the reading and analysis of ultrasound images and with an accuracy that's comparable to top human experts. We did the study wow. to show that. But taking like uh, more than 30 times faster, we timed it. Because it's, it's just fully automated and completely reproducible. Not like me. You give me the same study twice, I will not be able to read it exactly the same twice. Just even me, myself. And so, you know, this is the way forward. And um, I leave the business aspects completely to him. 
but it does really excite me and makes me wake up with a spring in my step to know that I could be doing something that could change medical practice. Yeah, we wow. finally obtained um, FDA approval late yes. last year. Mm. Yeah, and it's rapidly followed by multiple other approvals in Australia. Uh, we're gunning for the CE mark in Europe soon. And with two or more areas, we're will be uh, sort of a fast track for HSA in Singapore. So uh, it's, it's a really exciting time. Uh, looking forward to the big announcement in Singapore. <laughs> You're listening to the Curious Podcast Asia featuring top women in STEM. Tune in every Monday to a new episode featuring outstanding women in technology and science. Subscribe to the Curious Podcast on Apple, Spotify or Google. You know, you've been doing so many things. You have your research, scientific papers, medical students that you teach. You run the, um, it's called Us to uh, AI, right? Yes, Us to and, AI. Us to AI. And, and you also host a podcast. So how do you do all that in 24 hours? <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Uh, I struggle like like everyone else. Uh, I think the biggest lesson I've learned recently is to focus on my not to do list this year, rather oh. than my to do list. Um, yeah, it's it's the first time I've actually done that, and I think what I'm essentially trying to say is, I'm learning to focus more and more. You know, it's very interesting. Growing up, I used to boast in the fact that I could multitask. I thought it was a strength, you know, that we oh. could do so many subjects in school or while well, I'm a student, I can also be a swimmer, that sort of thing, you know? You, you think you can multitask, it's very good. And then nowadays, I'm, I'm gradually realizing that what, what is lacking in our world now, though, is utter focus. And I apply that in everything now, which means when I'm in the clinic, I, I want to be totally in and present in the clinic, which means when my patient walks in, I've made a promise to myself, I do not want to be on the computer looking at her results. I do not want to be on my phone trying to reply one of the messages in between. I want to be looking at her and, and really just understanding how I can best help her. And I've realized that when you focus like that, even in the clinic setting, if I just give that one or two minutes of utter focus, it accomplishes so much more because the patient immediately knows I'm listening. Instead of me you know, trying to fill in her computer record or her electronic health record while she's talking, I noticed that the patient will inevitably keep talking and bring up more and more things because I haven't actually had that focused time to ask her what exactly and listen, yes. you know. So mm -hmm. it's that same principle. So now I think that's the only way I survive is focus when I'm in clinic, focus when I'm doing the uh, editor work. Mm. And, and a podcast. I mean, mm. please allow me to say this on this podcast. It is not <laughs> easy. And I really admire you both ladies for doing it. It's one thing to say you can do it. It's a very different thing to execute and execute well. And I know how much that takes. And, and uh, you do need utter focus, preparation, <laughs> focus, editing, listening, editing again. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I totally get it. And then when it comes to, frankly, my mentees, Yes. My kids, it's the same principle. And I've mm. had to learn this the hard way. That if I'm trying to attend to my kid while I'm trying to answer an email, he will pull at me harder. He will talk louder. <laughs> he will... You, you get what I mean? Whereas yeah, if I just stop, 
turn to him, just totally focus on him and go, what is it? Give him that one-on-one. How did you um, pick medicine? Has that always been a dream of yours? Absolutely. I mean, for a little while in my life, I wanted to be an authoress. Go figure. I don't know. The biggest influence is my mom and uh, growing up watching her help lots of patients. And a lot of my childhood is actually spent, you know, playing in her clinic, watching. And- I'm sure she's really proud of you. You talked about um, heart uh, specialty in um, heart failure. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Ah, okay. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> paradox to say I'm a specialty in failure. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but um, heart failure is actually a medical term. It's the condition that describes that final common pathway that the heart takes when it is now starting to um, fail at its intrinsic function of supplying blood to the rest of the body. So it's very analogous to kidney failure. People understand that very easily. That means the kidney is no longer performing its function well, well, that's the equivalent is heart failure. And so you can get heart failure after you've had a heart attack, you survive the heart attack, but the heart is damaged already. So later on in life, you get heart failure. If you get high blood pressure for a long time, that's badly controlled. If we have um, diabetes for a long time, that's badly controlled. All these things can affect the heart. And the heart actually muscle starts to malfunction. And that is how in the end with time, you get heart failure and it manifests as, um, you know, fatigue, uh, exercise intolerance, swelling, because the heart's just not uh, performing its circulatory function well. How did you get into this subspecialty? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, um, in in cardiology, there were a lot of much sexier subspecialties when I was training. And and the sexiest one of all was the interventionist. You know, they they put the stents in and they save the acute heart attack and so on. Um, Heart failure at the time when I was training wasn't even fully recognized as a specialty. But what really, really interested me was that this form of heart failure that tends to affect women, diastolic heart failure or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, is the form of heart failure where the heart is actually pumping okay, but not relaxing okay. It becomes stiff and it tends to affect women and it had no treatment at the time when I was training, no effective treatment. I'm so proud to have participated in definitive trials which have now provided effective treatments only now literally in my lifetime isn't that cool so to have contributed to that is is just uh it's it's something i'm very grateful for it's just um, something to be proud of of as well i'm very grateful yeah it's the right time and right place not that i could have planned it but i am grateful yeah Good advice. Now, we learned, really learned a lot, Grace, today about yeah. um, uh, the differences of uh, heart conditions in men and women. I will now take all the egg yolk and give the egg white to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> we learn about focus uh, and how that applies to um, any age. It doesn't matter what age you are. And also for, especially for those who are um, wanting to do STEM education, and uh, most inspiringly about your app, the Us to AI app, and uh, good luck. We look forward to its launch. We, you know, we're at the right time, right place, because when we get there, we need to scan our hearts. There, it'll all be ready. <laughs> so. Aww. 
Thank so you so much. It leads me to thank you for um, joining us today. That was Dr. Carolyn Lam, heart failure specialist at the National Heart Center, a scientist, entrepreneur, and blazing new trails for women in science and tech. And that leaves me to thank our listeners for joining us today at the Curious Podcast, featuring outstanding women scientists and technologists. This is Grace Chung. Alina So Ng signing off from the Curious Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Apple, Android, and Spotify. Bye.